Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Cast Dice. My name is Old Man Morin, a.k.a. Brad, and uh, this is a podcast that is... Well, we'll, it's a podcast to explore the the rich and wonderful world of gaming that is currently out there at the moment. Um, Some have said, including me, that we are in a bit of a gaming renaissance, and there are so many games out there to play at the moment that it's... It's hard to know what to, what to look at or what to play with next. Um, this podcast is a bit of a reaction to that. And in this podcast on Ye Old Cast Dice, uh, we are going to talk about uh, different games, um, different things we're looking at, and uh, games you might be interested in playing. Um, now, we will be tackling uh, some new games shortly. Uh, this is more of a... I don't know, more of an editorial piece uh, episode where we're going to talk about a few things uh, around army building, generically not necessarily attached to a game, and uh, talk about a bolt action event that's coming up very soon, the big show itself, CanCon. But before that can be properly discussed, I need to discuss with you, the listener, who our guest is tonight. Um, if you've ever listened to me on the LRDG or on the Ghost Army podcast, you have probably heard me talk to this guy. Um, one of the most common guests that I love having on any show that I do is, of course, the one and only, the T.O. of CanCon, hobby extraordinaire, like just badass, one of my favorite guys to talk to, and fellow G.I. Joe enthusiast, Pete West. Welcome to Cast Dice. Always a pleasure, Brad. I'm liking the new digs you have too. Nice. Well, I'm mate. I'm glad you like it. So, uh, and sorry for the listener if this is your first episode. Um, every episode we will have different guests, and um, Pete is, of course, our guest tonight. Now, Pete, you for the uninitiated, you are the tournament organizer of the Bolt Action and Conflict Forty Seven event at CanCon, which is the largest bolt action event uh, and probably Conflict 47 event in Australia, hands down. Um, it is, you know, CanCon happens over Australia Day weekend in Canberra, um, and it's a massive game convention. I mean, it's not to the size of like an Adepticon, but it is quite large um, for many game systems, and bolt action it, it is just the biggest show there is, uh, at least in the Southern Hemisphere to my knowledge. Um now you you've been running the bolt action event there three years, four years now. This will be the fourth. This will be the fourth. Okay, I knew it was in the three or four category. So um, now, tell us about CanCon, man. Um, what are you looking forward to? What's what's the big uh, what's the big show? How many points are we looking this year? What are some of the decisions you made? Because I know you always look at WinterCon, um, which is the halfway mark, six months through the year, as sort of your chance to trial things for CanCon, which is sort of like the big show. Um, so the big show is upon us. Tell us about what's been going on, man. It is, and it's uh, bigger than ever. Um, it looks like, uh, well, as of about five minutes ago, when I last checked, we have 66 registered players, um, which is just, yeah, <laughs> pretty mind-blowing. So hold on. You, I thought you maxed out at 60, and then you got... Five more. So you're telling me you got even more again? Yeah, we um, 
uh, I managed to get some extra help on board and located a couple of extra tables. So we um, reset the cap to 70. So we're up to 66 players at the moment, which is, um, yeah, a new record. Last year, I think we had 56 people playing. Um, so, you know, it always uh, there'll always be less people playing on the day because life happens, but yeah. um, this will definitely be a new record. Oh, that's awesome to hear, man. It's, it's just fantastic to hear the scenes still growing. Now, on the most recent Ghost Army podcast, Patch and uh, Andrew Brownrigg, of course, went toe-to-toe on their... Um, so they have each are captaining a, a national, an, an informal national team. Um, Patch, of course, leading leading team to Gaul, and Mr. Brownrigg, of course, uh, leading. Um, is it? It's not Team Germany. Uh, it's Team Rommel. Team Rommel. Yeah, there you go. Um, which is pretty much probably the least <clears throat> offensive of the German leaders. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to touch that one. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, uh, awkward to say, probably shouldn't touch. Um, as T.O., though, you got to love, uh, I mean, the level of banter that's been kicking off on the Bolt Action Australia New Zealand Facebook page, man. That's good stuff, right? Yeah, it's added a sort of whole new level of interest. Um, Patch really kicked it off with, uh, as he said in his Ghost Army podcast, wanting to push the early war army team um and andrew was up for a fight so um those guys uh, are squaring off but now we've got a number of other players looking to join the fun um i think we have a team peasants and workers um, <laughs> nice <laughs> uh we have a team empire for the british um and i think there's there's a, a team pattern for the, the americans so it looks like it'll be a bit of fun it's um as Patch said when you last spoke to him, it's really for bragging rights. I'm not. I'm not going to do anything other than um, keep track of who wins. But uh, right. uh, it, it adds a bit of fun to the game um, when you've got this sort of side con- side event going on in the middle of CanCon. So you know, don't have to join up to one of those teams. You can just come along to CanCon and play as uh, you normally would. But um, a number of people have decided to jump in on the grudge match and. Um, Team Rommel and Team um, De Gaulle are looking looking pretty big at the moment. That's yeah, that's just it's awesome to see. I mean, there are of course lots of competitive or fun team events out there. Uh, I know people talk about the ETC for different game systems, um, the ITC perhaps. Um, there's lots of iterations where there are teams of gamers that get together and play off against other teams. It's organized. Um, in Victoria, of course, for years we had the VIX, the Victorian Interclub Challenge, where clubs would come forward and um, put their best players in a different game system. It was always 40K, Fantasy, uh, and War Machine. And then there was an overall prize if you happened to have the club that won the most points across the three game systems. Um, and I, I know that that is a lot of fun to be a part of. Uh, I tend to avoid the competitive gaming these days, but what I I did love that camaraderie. It gave you that extra level of chat between games. And while this isn't formalized like those events are, I think you still have that camaraderie. Um, I I just think it's a it adds a wonderful I don't want to say carnival atmosphere because that makes me sound like I'm dismissive <laughs> of it, but it but it adds fun to the event, um, and that's just excellent. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's um, 
raised interest, I think, in CanCon, and uh, certainly I know a lot of players are very excited about it. And look, we'll see how it goes. All credit to Patch. This is his idea, and um, Andrew, they've really driven it. Um, I'm just trying to help them out where I can. So we'll see how it goes, and maybe in future we'll look how we can um, formalise it as part of the overall event without sucking the fun out of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, that is that is sort of the... Uh... Uh, I don't know that that is the crux of the, uh, or I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. I know what you're saying. And, um, uh, we'll, as I say, we'll see how it goes and, uh, uh, we'll look at it, um, in the wash up and see if there's anything I can do to sort of encourage it or keep it going. Cause it, it does really add an extra layer and you're right. I think that, you know, it may not always be team de Gaulle or team Rommel, but, um, I've got to think about how maybe we can incorporate it into the event, some sort of team element, because it, yeah, people really seem to be enjoying it. Um, the smack talk on the forums is uh, a lot of fun. It's getting getting people excited about CanCon and getting people excited about painting up their armies and um, you know showing stuff off. So it's all for the good. I just, you know, I don't want to I don't want to suck the fun out of it by formalising it and making it all about prizes. But um, right. it'd be good to see how we can keep it going in the future. Yeah, and I think bolt action really lends itself to that as well. Um, I mean, people, I, I think because in bolt action, it's tied to actual nationalities. And I mean, and just, I know in bolt action, national, national rules aside, it's just really different skins kind of on the same armies. I know there's differentiation between, between the armies, but bolt action really is a game... That where its balance comes in in the almost same sameness of everyone has inexperienced troops, everyone has regular troops, everyone has um, veteran troops, and you know the the pointing of things is fairly consistent across the armies. So um, people go, you know, when you're talking about finding that identity. You can really get into wearing a Russian hat, or I mean, Anthony years ago, um, and he was playing Soviets dressed up in an actual Soviet uniform um, from World War II, um, complete with helmet and the whole thing. Keeping in mind that Canberra in the summer is, uh, oh man, that was <laughs> oh. yeah, that took a, that took a level of commitment. Yeah. Oh my God, man. I, I was, I was next to him wearing shorts and I think a tank top that year. And I was sweating my guts out and I was just looking at him going, Oh my God. Uh, and you have the beard and you have like, no, no. Uh, but I, I, again, I think bolt action lends itself to that because people can really tap into that national identity. Uh, and it, I mean, of course, that lends itself to all the French surrender monkey jokes and the, you know, German efficiency and this, that, and the other thing. But, you know, it's all, it's all part of the fun, as he said. Yeah, and I think you're right. I mean, people get quite invested in the nations they choose and how they, you know, paint up their army for, to represent that. So this is just really an extension of that. And um, it, it's great to see. And I think it's, you know, one of the fact, I mean, I still can't believe how huge the event is going to be this year. Um, I was quite surprised, actually. I thought we would shrink this year after, uh, you know, a big record-setting event last year um, with 8th edition 40k coming along and as you said in your intro this yeah. we're having a renaissance of games i mean you know new games we're competing against like shade spire yes. um, is going to be run um so it, yeah i'm blown away by the fact that 
bolt action is um, still growing, uh, and um, we, you know, we're setting still setting records every year we uh, hold it. Yeah, and I think that just speaks volumes of the excellent community that we have here in Australia in general, um, and the the welcoming nature of the the Facebook page in general, um, and the people at events. Um, and it's not a stab you in the face and steal all your toys and you know make you feel bad about things. Um, the the level of feel badsies at bolt action events is compared to some other game systems yeah. is woo. yeah 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 it's nice it's nice not to have that so uh yeah no yeah. it's a great community in australia i mean you know most of the bolt action podcasts are produced in australia um well a number yeah. of them and you know you've got the guys like brian and patch mm-hmm. producing articles and so you know it's it's a very lively and active crowd it um, is but you're I think you also have to give a bit of credit to Warlord. They've done a, a good job of keeping the game alive and Agreed. You know, not just ticking over, but continuing to feed new and interesting stuff into the pipeline, both in terms of the books and the figures and mm-hmm. vehicles that they put out. And there's plenty of other manufacturers who have jumped on board. So, you know, it's hard to go a week without opening up some new announcement about someone making something and going, I need to buy that. Yes, um, right? Ah, so. oh, the struggle. And just yeah, when one absolutely. one company stops making something, and they're like, "Okay, we're gonna we're gonna figure out what the next step is," someone else, of course, steps in, and you're just going, "God, my wallet, why?" <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's um, for the World War Two player, it's just paradise at the moment. I mean, we're yeah. we're starting to get to the point where there's very little that you can't get or you can't do. I mean, you know, we've got. A number of companies doing Romanians now. Yes. You've got every weird type of vehicle mm-hmm. that you've ever heard of, and many most people have never heard of. Um, it's the variety is amazing, and we're just, you know we're sort of starting to scrape the bottom of the barrel for what what's left to do. I mean, you're talking things like Bulgarians and Japanese paratroopers and and German cooks. I mean, that's you know that's the sort of level we're getting down to. It's true, although I did hear a rumor that Japanese paratroops might be coming at some point, at which point I got very excited. <laughs> mm, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it, it really is like that. It is, it's truly amazing. Um, and, and just to go back to something you were saying a second ago about Warlord and keeping the game sort of ticking over, as you say, or doing more than just ticking over, um, by giving us the theater books and the campaign books, um, I mean, they smashed out the army books so quickly in the first run of the game. Yep. Then they 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 could have they could have easily done something every now and again and let it go. But there's a regular release of books, yep. and the books um, are very. I mean. You're jumping from different sections of the war, so sure the 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 sea lion stuff. It wasn't for me. Um, I yeah. I I didn't. I would have preferred other what if scenarios, um, but that's just me. Uh, but the um, the Battle of the Bulge book was so in my wheelhouse, and the Papua New Guinea book absolutely, yeah. definitely in my wheelhouse. And so you're looking at the books that are coming out, and you go, okay, cool. This one isn't for me. This one is. And you look at what's coming up, and you go, all right, cool. Market Garden. I don't have an invested interest in Market Garden, but am I going to buy that book? Oh, yeah. Is there going to be something interesting in there? Probably. 
Um, and there's always a little extra some something to get out of a book. Um, yep. So yeah, I just look. I really, li- I, I'm digging it. Um, I really like where the game's going. And man, Conflict Forty Seven as well is now that we're getting more regular books for it. Um, I think they weren't prepared for the success of the game. Yep. Um, and then of course there was the whole running into sort of bolt action version two. Um, I'm just glad that game survived and not only survived is now having its own little renaissance. Um, and you know, we have one book resurgences out and people like the Facebook page is really active. Uh, a lot of people yep. playing it and it's a, gr- I've been playing it. It's a great game. And then we're going to get defiance in a couple of months. I think, uh, not September, uh, March maybe. Um, and we're going to get more units, more fluff. And that yeah. universe is going to be, and it's just to have those two games rocking under the bolt action banner, man, it's just cool. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, the, you know, the resurgence book, no pun intended was a real shot in the arm for K47. I mean, it, it, it yeah. is a killer of a book. I mean, and the, you know, the design job they did on those Japanese troops was just outstanding. I mean, Agreed. whether you've, whether you've um, really thought about K47 or not, just looking at those new Japanese troops and vehicles, just I'm sure made everyone's head turn and just go, Hmm, yeah. that looks interesting. Yeah, having put together one of the Scorpion Walkers, oh my god, it is gorgeous. I've got mine base-coated and washed um, so I could get it on the table for a game. But come in a couple weeks with Christmas holiday, that baby's getting finished. And oh man, it is sitting pride of place in my figure case. And it's only primed and washed at the moment. So I cannot wait to, to pretty it up. Uh, yeah, it just, yeah, it's just so good. Yeah, and look, the Defiance book looks like it's going to be great as well i mean you've yeah. got the italians coming that book mm-hmm. but in both fascist and allied flavor and yeah, yeah. i don't know whether you've seen some of the pics of those uh those heads but they look both both sorts look great yes um i think the rumor is we're going to get the french in that book as well if uh if the rumor mill is correct that'll be cool man I'm, yeah i'm really looking forward to it and yeah and and yeah oh, just so i can go on all day about it um so hold yeah. on, let's let's talk about maybe we're on Warlord. I know there's yeah. a few other things we want to talk about here, but let's talk about maybe a couple other things that Warlord's talking about and putting out. Sure. Uh, now I I I grew up in Japan. It's not a big secret. I talk about it all the time on the podcast, and I've been stiff arming and and basically saying over and over again, I'm not looking. I'm not looking. I'm not looking at uh, Test of Honor because. <laughs> man samurai oh god man and then they and i know having listened to some podcasts and spoken to andy andy hobday himself um he was like no nah, i don't want to do ninjas don't want to do ninjas don't want to do ninjas yep. well son of a bitch he did ninjas and so i have pre uh, i have a box of ninjas literally in the mail right now coming from uh, war nice. and peace games um and i i i pre-ordered them i said if ninjas ever come just send them to me and then I opened my <laughs> bank and there was a charge for War and Peace games. And I called them up and said, I know I told you I wanted something and I'm really unwell and I'm really tired. It's the end of the year. What did I pre-order? And they said, oh, your ninjas came in. And I went, yeah, ninjas. And it was, it was the highlight of my day. It was like, oh, yeah, man. And those ninja models look sick. So um, oh, I, I cannot wait to paint those up. 
Uh, and yeah. I'm, I just need to find someone in Melbourne. If anyone's listening, who's in Melbourne, who plays test of honor, I am dead keen to give them, give my ninjas a go. So, uh, and I know that makes yeah. me a terrible person. Like ninjas, <laughs> really? Why? Like, I know it's traditional samurai and it's based on history and this, that, and the other thing, but I'm a child of the eighties. Ninjas, give them to me. Anyway. <laughs> Yeah, no, I share your fascination. My finger has hovered over the purchase button for Test of Honor on a number of occasions. I just right? and look, I'm a I'm a Warlord fanboy, so I don't don't like saying anything slightly negative. But the reason I haven't pulled the trigger yet is just the box and the cards. I have more um, samurai and figures than you know. I'm never going to need, yeah. and I really don't need to buy more figures if i could just get the cards i'd be in like flynn um the yeah. cards and the rules and all that stuff but um i've uh, just been you know i think at cancon i may give in when i actually can help hold the box in my hot little hand and look at it and go yeah, yeah. i can't can't hold that any longer but yeah i just a little disappointed that they went down that route with bundling the figures with the cards and you know yeah. you're having to get both of them but you know it's a business i accept that and yeah. um i'm sure i will uh give in one day and the agreed and i was having a similar mindset about that but then i also have been looking at the price point recently and looking at other games going man that's reasonable yeah, I mean, you could you could just throw out the plastic sprues that you get with a Warlord game and you'd still, I think, come out ahead of you would buying most other games. Exactly. Um, exactly. And, so, that, and they do include the models. And so you're just going, yeah. well, yeah. And you need the bases to go with the models as well, and they're also in the box. And you just yep. go, man, they, oh, yeah. Coming soon. <laughs> um, now, yeah. have... Have you looked at any of the other games? Because I know Blood Red Skies is out and about, and I am, I, I, I'll admit, I've had my head so far in the sand trying to finish the school year looking at other games. I haven't given it a good look yet. Have you had a chance to give that yeah, a, a I've peek? Yeah, I've had a look at it. And, I mean, it's up to the usual Warlord standard. It looks like a lot of fun. The you know, rules look um, simple to learn, but there's obviously a lot of tactical depth mm-hmm. in there once you play it. And, look... I was almost, you know, signed up to it and about to pre-order and I really love, you know, I love World War II planes and the whole idea of refighting the Battle of Britain um, makes me smile. But um, then at the Warlord 10th anniversary day, mm-hmm. um, uh, they announced that they're going to do a game called Cruel Seas, which is uh, Ooh, 1-300 yeah. motor torpedo boats. And I just went... Oh, that's me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, hello. <laughs> yeah, that's where my cash is going. I'm, I'm going to buy everything that, that they put out for that. So, I mean, I've always loved boats and um, and the whole, those small motor torpedo boats, mm-hmm. um, you know, fighting the English Channel, the German e-boats, and you know, really, uh, really love those stories. And so I'm, I'm going to be all in on the, uh, on the cool seas when they actually publish it. Nice. Yeah, I, uh, I'm, I'm. Oh God, another game. I, I heard that and was like, ooh, hello, and then went, oh God, why? No, <laughs> stop making good games. Yeah. Uh, speaking yeah. of speaking of companies making good games, it's oh God, we should say should talk about the elephant in the room. Uh, and the sleeping giant has awoken. Um, 
Games Workshop was literally it it, it people were saying they it was going to die. Like literally t- what 12 months ago, people yeah. were talking about what the gaming industry will look like when Games Workshop is dead and gone. And people were yeah. saying it would be the end. It's yep. oh my god, are they back? It's it's ridiculous. <laughs> so uh, yes, so they fixed Age of Sigmar in a way that people are now raving about it. Podcasts that were around in the heyday of 7th and 8th edition Warhammer that had unbelievable uh, numbers of people playing the game, they yep. are now getting more downloads for Age of, their new Age of Sigmar episodes than the classic Warhammer ones. People are listening. People are playing. They they put point values. They've taken co- community feedback. They've fixed it. Um, I haven't played it yet, but people I know who were badly badly hurt and were you know show the dolly where Games Workshop like didn't hurt you. Um, show us on the dolly and like yep. man, they <laughs> people are loving this. And then on top of that, you have the new edition of Warhammer 40,000 that everyone and their dog appears to be playing. Games Workshop yep. is like printing money. And then on top <laughs> of that, um, they're, they're constantly updating that version of the game. And what I mean by that is they're putting out constant FAQs. They're, they've, they've already repointed the game again using the new chapter approved book. They're fixing their mistakes as they go. They're using community feedback. You don't have to wait a year, two years to get something kind of fixed or never fixed. They're doing it immediately. Like, and it's fascinating because yeah. Games Workshop is the, the, the model of Warhammer and Warhammer Fantasy for years was Codex Creep. And it was a legitimate business model. Like, yes, they did it by design to sell more models. And th- having worked in sales at Games Workshop, like this isn't some weird conspiracy thing. Yes, the ga- the company acknowledges that they make cool things and they make some the newer things tend to be better so that you want to buy them. Um and yes, that is that does make for some unbalance in the game or imbalance in the game. But man, they really went out of their way to balance this game. Um and to make everything viable and in the process Oh my God! They're selling their back stock of things that they never thought they'd sell. <laughs> the company worldwide, after Eighth Edition dropped, sold out of Basilisk tanks within a matter of weeks, and you couldn't get them for love or money from anywhere. And you just think that's amazing. That kit is that 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 kit's been around since before I worked for the company by like a decade. It's it's ridiculous. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you can't fault GW. I mean, it's just amazing. Um, you can tell how how um, good they're doing because even I, who's a uh, uh, never played uh, 40K before, has bought the new book and bought a couple of boxes. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I haven't quite got over the line yet, and you know, we can uh, talk about the reason for that in just a second, but mm. uh, you can't, just can't fault uh, GW, I mean, their games, the so you know Shadow War as well, and now they've yep. re- Necromunda, mm-hmm. and you just they're just kicking goals all over the place. They it's, are. Uh, you can't fault them. And when they do misstep, they're fixing it. Yeah, 
<laughs> and you just go, it's that Jackie Chan meme with you know him making screwing up his face and having his hands in the air, and you're like, how? What? What universe are we living in? Like this is <laughs> they. This is not what they do. They're the they're the yeah. like the 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 absentee parent who throws something cool at you and leaves, and now yeah. they're uh, not. They want to talk about your feelings, and you're going, this has to be a trick. What's going on here? <laughs> uh, but as you say, Necromunda. They brought back Necromunda. They brought yep. back. Oh, they didn't bring back. They've released Shadespire, um, which yes, is actually. Yep. A bit, I, I guess it's a bit of a misnomer. It's it's actually called Warhammer Underworld, um, and the talk on the street. And I was listening to another podcast, and I did hear people talking about this on a Facebook group. Is that it is Shadespire is the name of this iteration of the game, and they're gonna right. they're gonna release. There's a certain every card in the game is numbered, and um, I I bought the game. I bought Shadespire. Um, really low pro, uh, price point. Uh, looks like a great game. I walked through an event. Uh, I'm looking forward to playing it shortly. Um, but I bought the Orc box as well. Again, price point was good. And I really wanted to play Orcs. I didn't want to play the Chaos or the the Sigmarines. I wasn't interested in that. Yeah. I, I wanted to play my boys. And the cards, if you look at them, they're numbered. And they're not... You don't get them all. But the way they're right. numbered... like if you look at how many expansions they're actually doing for the run of, for the ad of the game, they show certain gangs, if you will, um, through sh- like shattered mirror glass. And if you add up all of the ones that are there, there's eight of them. Um, so there's the four that are out now, the orcs, the skeletons, um, the, the Sigmarites and the, um, the corn guys. So there's going to be a shooty Sigmarite band Heavy chaos armored guys. We're gonna get Skaven, and then we're gonna get dwarves. If you add up all of the cards from all those, you get the complete run of cards. Uh, uh, right. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah no. Now it's an interesting. It's a deck building game with dice and miniatures. So, God, man, it, it the reviews have been outstanding for this game, and I'm I really want to play it. So I'm. Expect an episode on that soon, um, but yeah, man, it's 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 pretty schmig. But what what that means is, sorry to get on with it. I think at some point, very maybe not very soon, but at some point, maybe later next year, we may get Warhammer Underworld and get another thing, um, right? Another universe. And if that's the case, um, it's also rumored that you might get maybe different cards. But it won't be a different game. Like you can use the Shadespire dudes in a different setting. Like there's all sorts of speculation. But it's fascinating, and you just go, "Wow, this is cool." Um, yeah, yeah, it looks really good. Um, but the reason I haven't uh, jumped into GW is that uh, almost as soon as I thought I would, my head got turned by something else, and that is uh, Star Wars Legion. Oh God! And then there's that. <laughs> Fantasy flight, printing money. Speaking of which, oh my God, so many good games coming. Yep. Uh, no, now I have intentionally two box sets. Did you? Oh God, it looks so good. I have I have intentionally stopped looking at preview material for that game, uh, and I'm gonna wait till it drops and take a good hard look at it 
because the way the the fantasy fly business model is if i buy that i'm going i know that will be hundreds of dollars immediately spent slash over the next year to to play that game um and fantasy fly do an amazing game i i just bought the fallout board game and i played it the other night also by fantasy flight yep um oh my god great game they they really do put together a wonderful game and star wars tabletop miniatures it's gonna be amazing but oh my (laughs) god am i gonna have to buy all the toys (sighs) yeah i know (laughs) i'm i'm still they've uh, released now the um the AT-AT and the uh, snow speeders, um, so as add-ons. So um, I haven't haven't pre-ordered those yet, but uh, I suspect I will before before too long. But yeah, it just looks like a great game, and I I think that you know, Star Wars battles on the table is mm-hmm. something I was always going to be sucked into. So that's where I think where most of my money is going to go in the first couple of months of next year. Yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know I haven't pre-ordered, and I know I'm not looking. But uh, I do know my birthday is about the time that it releases. So I know I pretty much have no freaking hope. <sighs> yep. uh, yes. Yeah. But speaking of projects, you, uh, you, we said we were going to talk about the wonderful subject of vanity projects. Yes, and I'm glad you segued that because I was, uh, I was starting to look into the distance and envision star Wars. Uh, so <laughs> the, the main reason for having Pete on tonight, not only was to talk about CanCon uh, and just mention that it's coming and um, just what a great event it is guys. There's going to be, there's only a few tables left. If you are thinking about playing bolt action um, and you haven't signed up for CanCon, you got to get on that like right now. Um, order that uh, 66 people have already gotten in it's going to sell out again. It's already sold out twice. Get on before it sells out again because I know other game systems right now, um, because there's limited table space at CanCon, I know other game systems are desperately trying to fill up so they can start taking other people's spaces. And I have a feeling <laughs> yep. that Pete's already done that multiple times. <laughs> so, guys, there there is literally going to be a, a point very soon where there will not be a space at CanCon for you to play if you have not signed up. So even if you're not sure, get sure, get your ticket. Um, or get your and don't get your ticket and follow along because <laughs> yeah, it's going to be amazing. So anyway, um, the main reason besides talking CanCon with Pete tonight was to talk about something that Pete and I are, vo- are both very, very passionate about. And that's vanity projects. Um, now, Oh, Pete, do you want to explain what a vanity product is project is just so I don't, cause I can wax reflective yeah. on this all night. And why don't you take it? <laughs> take the helm. I guess my definition of a vanity project, I mean, we all have plenty of projects that we just haven't got to, but I think the difference with a vanity project is a project where you have uh, jumped in on something with based on largely passion alone. You haven't lined up any local plays. You may not have even read it. There may not even be a rule book or you haven't even read the rule book, but, you know, something about this particular game, whether it's the figures or whether it's Mm -hmm. the theme has just grabbed you and, um, you know, without knowing any anything about who's going, who you're going to play it with, or what you're going to do, you just jump jump both feet into it. Yes, that and um, okay. 
there's a there's a caveat to that, but I'll, I'll come back to that. So um, you and I both love a good game, uh, and I'm looking at a few on my shelf right now that I still haven't played. Uh, I have yeah. two painted Gates of Antares armies. I'm looking at the rule book at my shelf right now. Um, <laughs> Judge Dread. I have two gangs. One of which is fully painted. Never done anything with it. Batman. I've played a few times now, uh, and I have multiple gangs. Um, just so many good games to play. Um, yep. How about you? Anything jumping off that you really, that you really just just grabbed you? Oh yeah, I mean I have um, you know projects like Kings of War where yes. I've got a box full of lead figures to play that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I've I've got a couple of Batman crews that have seen mm-hmm. the table uh, twice. I think. Yep. Um, so although my Judge Dredd figures have actually uh, got quite a few games in, I didn't know you had any. So I'll have to bring some down to Melbourne sometime yes. and uh, give you a game. But uh, yeah, no no shortage of projects that um, I have not managed to get to the table. Mm-hmm. I guess I wanted to more ask you not only about these games that get you, but let's 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 hop back to bolt action for a second and then yep. and then pivot back off it. Um, I met you at a bolt action event. We met at uh, Moab. Uh, yep. God, I can't remember what year it was, but quite a, a few years back, the same time I <laughs> met Patch and Amphony and uh, quite a few of the other crew. Um, yeah, I think you had hair then, didn't you? Uh, no, I haven't had <laughs> hair in about twenty something years, buddy. Um, what it was a long time ago, though. Um, but you immediately struck me. Um, I was playing Polish Uprising. Um, sorry, Warsaw Uprising. Uh, partisan Polish guys using the partisan rules from the French book, and you were playing British. Um, I believe it's a British. Now I say that because. You had everything from cricketers to baby blue <laughs> armored cars to yep. to schoolboys in your army, and yep. I was looking at it going, what in God's green earth am I playing against? So <laughs> immediately, my army and your army looking across from the table, besides having just a bucket of dice to pull out of that bag between us, um, yep. I, it, it was... It, but every time I play against you or every time you and I talk about things, you always have a fascinating project on the go. Now, you, <laughs> you, you're grabbing armies that most people don't grab, and you're sort of thinking outside the box. Now, tell me a little bit about your process for that. Like, what, what, how, does the, how does the inspiration grab you? Um, look, I'd like to say there is, a, there is some methodology to my madness, but it's really um, what I have, uh, you know, it's usually something that I encounter through media, whether it's reading a book mm-hmm. or something I see on the website. But um, uh, usually I'll often it'll link back to movies. Um, uh, so, for, you know, the two projects I've got on the go at the moment, uh, one is what I'm calling my Bridget Remagen Germans, uh, mm-hmm. um, which are, you know, Basically, Ostfront Germans, lots of great coats. Um, uh, you know, end of the war, uh, Luftwaffe type troops thrown in there as well. So, you know, there's all there's a, a the cultural reference back to the movie, the Bridget Remagen, which is one of my favourites. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other army I've got going on at the moment is my um, British Union of Fascists force. Now, just to be clear, I started building them before Warlord found them and made them cool. But um, yeah. <laughs> 
So um, you've had you know, these for a while, though. Yeah, partly because I think as you know, as listeners who listened to your last podcast may remember, I've got a crossover interest in the fictional, very British Civil War rule. That's right. Uh, rules and the world that that's created, and so you know, there's some just allows you to do those really interesting things like i've got um the queen's uh queen's own protectors a, you know, a bunch of female figures and a bunch of guys in black shirts and so you know just opportunity to do something cool or different that's you know really what i'm looking for um as we spoke about last time i took three panther turrets to mm, moab that's so. right <laughs> so i'm always looking for something and it's partly just about motivation, you know, getting something that interests you, gets you painting things, it gets your, gets your project moving, keeps you engaged. Because otherwise, if I'm, if I'm not interested in the army, I find myself struggling to paint it and often, you know, will put it down. And mm-hmm. so, you know, for example, I'm actually taking a bit of a segue from bolt action at the moment and getting into Team Yankee and rather than just pick one of the armies out of the book, I'm going to do Cubans. Oh, wow. Okay. And the reason for that is Red Dawn. Um, Cuban paratroopers landing in America. Um, So, you know, I've got... um, And they have cool colour schemes. I've got this really lime green and dark green colour scheme. So always looking for that, you know, something just a little bit different to keep me engaged with the project and keep it moving forward. Yeah, I'm... I'm very similar. I'm looking at the figure case in the corner filled with my bolt action armies. And other than my very first sort of generic, I mean, when I first started playing this game, we all got together and it was everyone pick an army. And I was like, all right, I'll play Germans, I guess. And um, my, that army was very bland and generic, but I immediately added some weird vehicles to it. But if you look at like my um, great coat Americans, um, I had a standard Japanese army that was a little too standard, and so I sold it and then made the Great Coat Japanese army, which is Japanese in winter yep. uniforms for the Manchurian campaign. I've had multiple Chinese armies. Um, I mean, all of these, my British army is Desert Sikhs, um, yep. but back before they were really popular because back then only Artisan made them, and I ordered an entire Artisan army. Um, and you know, and it, I've rounded out with four Indian pattern carrier cars. And I mean, all my, all of my armies are a little weird. Um, but as you say, that's what keeps it interesting. I found that when I don't do things like that, I get really bored. Um, and I don't know why. I mean, I hear people on, on the forums, um, and on Facebook bemoaning, uh, late war Germans everywhere, but I guess I, I just am not interested in playing a Panzer IV to get the ta- Tiger Fear rule yep. or whatever else. It just and now I, I get it. It's good. It, it's a great. It's it, it's a great use of points. It's um it's a great tank in second edition. But I I, mean, I, I, I just I... yawn at it. Yeah, I mean one of the things about bolt action you said it earlier. Right? almost counterintuitively because all the units are essentially the same mm. it it gives you a degree of flexibility in the sense of you can always create another unit because the stats are exactly the same as every other infantryman totally um you know and if you don't care about the special rules too much or you just want to shoehorn them into some other army special rules fine but mm-hmm. at the end of the day an infantryman's an infantryman so that sort of frees up your imagination to 
paint whatever infantryman you want. So, mm-hmm. you know, I've got Croat, I've got uh, Croatians, um, I've mm-hmm. got um, Dutch East Indies, I've That's got right. um, Chinese Japanese army in China, like you. Um, mm-hmm. So, you can just do really whatever you like um, and know that you're going to have no problem playing it that because there's not a lot of special rules around each figure and and you just put your figure down on the table and this is an infantry man he happens to be a mongolian cavalry infantry man but he's still you know same works the same way as your infantry man who's a, a, a usgi straight out of the book agreed and i think it also goes back to it, it sometimes takes a little bit of a deep dive as far as looking down some companies' websites to find the right figures. Um, like My fins are all based on the Brigade Games End of the Earth, I think is what it's called, range. Yep. And they Into have, the earth, yeah. And they, yeah, and they have, um, what, two blisters? Perhaps three blisters of fins? And... It, yeah, you look at it and go, well, that's not a whole range. Well, you can supplement that with other stuff. It's, yep. it's, I would recommend, if, if anyone really does think something looks cool or has read something that, they, that really grabs them, don't be afraid to spend some time looking around. Um, really dig into websites, dig into manufacturers and what they make. Um, there's a website um, that is a little out of date now. And by a little, I mean really yeah. out of date. Uh, White Knight put this uh, company listing of World War II models up somewhere a million years ago, and it's still online. Um, but there's some great models in there that you can still find if you look hard enough. And yep. it, because people are only looking at the new stuff, they're missing that some of these other companies are still out there. Um, yeah. And there's a lot of models out there that... People are forgetting um, that exist, and if you look hard enough, you can find some wacky stuff. And just because everyone else is playing Americans or Germans, don't be afraid to do something else. Uh, Be a little left to center. The game is balanced to the point where you can take Norwegians. Okay, that's probably the exaggerated there because it's probably the (laughs) hardest army to take. But you can take Norwegians and win. Um, I mean... Just know your army, know how to play it, know your opponent, play to the mission. And Bolt Action's a game where you can you can pretty much, you know, you can still yeah, play well, it. Yeah, I mean, follow your interests. I mean, work the other way around. If you find an army or a force or something in your historical um, reading or your documentary watching, it's, you know, almost certain there is someone out there who produces something for that army. Yeah. I've got... I've got Italian figures from a small company in Italy to do late war um, RSI Italians. I've got um, uh, figures, Czech army figures from a company that just produces, I think, four blisters of these Czech army figures, and that's all they produce, Mm -hmm. um, using them for my Croatians. So there's very little, as we were sort of saying up front, that you can't get these days. There's, you know, one or two gaps, but if you've got an interest... Uh, go out and have a look and do some, you know, deep diving on the internet and you're likely to find something to help you do that army. And even if it's not the whole force. So, for example, you know, the the, uh, Russian Cossacks who served with the Germans, um, 
I'm not going to do a whole force of them, but there's going to be there's enough figures out there to do a nice little unit to attach to my Croatians. So, you know, there's plenty yep. of opportunities to do these fun little units that you can field in in many different ways. Yeah, I I have a bee in my bonnet somewhere in the back of my mind to do a um, a paratrooper, an Italian paratrooper army from El Alamein. Now yep. that is a, I mean, you want to talk about painting yourself into a corner? It's like my Marine Raider army for the Battle of Macon Island, <laughs> and it's like the one Marine Raider army where their uniforms are dyed black. It's like, well, I can't run these as any other army ever. I have to run them as just this one. Um, But with the El Alamein paratroopers, if you look at the paratrooper models that Warlords sell or other companies sell, uh, I believe Battle Honors sell them as well, they don't fit. Um, The guys in that battle were sort of wearing... So the Italian paratrooper boots, the bottoms of them melted Mm. in the heat, and so they had to wear different shoes and boots. They also, I mean, it was in the middle of a desert. Like They they couldn't wear the heavy gear. They weren't going to wear their jump smocks on top of uniforms in that heat. It just wasn't happening. Um, But I was able to, by, you know, talking with friends that bought a bunch of the Warlord models, um, and by looking around and talking to the Mouth of Madness and a couple other folks, um, I, I put together enough. So Black Tree Designs and Artisan make a number of um, Italian models, like just generic Italian infantry, yep. um, both in shorts and in the proper uniform for that. But they're wearing like the wrong hats. But the warlord warlord cells, well, they, their heads are separate. Their head system, and if you buy a lot of the warlord Italian stuff, um, you get both the. I I always get this wrong. The bell bell like Rizzeri, the yeah I yeah the feathered that. in the hat guys yep. helmets and the regular sun hats, uh, and sometimes you just get other helmets as well, depending on which ones you've got. Well, I've I now have enough sun helmets or sun hats that I can actually go back to these other models and start clipping heads off and replace. And then, um, yeah, they have SMGs. They've got enough things, but you have to go back to Warlord, of course, to get the weapons teams. Um, and so I've got this massive pile of models that I'm going to be Frankensteining and cutting body parts off. Don't be afraid to get, I mean, get get out the clippers, man. Get out some modeling putty. Um, do a little converting. Like, there's just so yeah. much cool stuff out there. And so many things in World War II was standardized. But the things that weren't for particular units were often just a slight difference. Like, you know, wearing fezes instead of helmets or... You know, in the case of my Sikhs, having beards and having turbans instead of, um, you know, helmets on on those particular models. And you just you look at them and you go, well, they look significantly different. And that is what makes it interesting for me. Um, Yeah, I think the key point there is that the conversion thing, I mean, I know I was scared to death of doing any sort of conversions for a long time, but it's a not that hard and B. It's just so many options with the you know the plastic kits and and um, separate Definitely. heads from different manufacturers and 
even just clipping your head off a couple of metal models that, you know, it's a, um, a paradise out there for just being able to convert models to really whatever you want with just a little bit of work. You don't have to be a genius. You don't have to be good at um, modeling or anything to do this. You don't even have to use green stuff. I've never touched touched the stuff, no pun intended, um, and, you know, still done some, you know, quite nice figure conversions. Absolutely. Um, I'm not going to sculpt anything, but uh, you don't need to these days. So, yeah, really encourage people to have a look at what's available. Um, spare heads in particular are available from a lot of places and some really interesting mm -hmm. ones. And it's not that hard to just clip a head off, drill a bit of a hole, and Bob's your uncle. Exactly. And if you haven't, um, if you haven't looked at Warlord's armory section um, or dug through some of their the national... Uh, sections for bolt action you can that you can often get special heads for projects um through warlord itself um and those are of course some of the best quality heads for world war ii that are out there so i highly recommend you check that out if you haven't so yeah but we have to talk about the ultimate vanity project don't we brad <laughs> i thought you'd never ask <laughs> <laughs> i seem to recall from your facebook page that you may be working on a bit of a vanity project at the moment oh god it's just it's gone i've fallen down a black hole and i can't get myself out it's it hurts <laughs> it hurts so <clears throat> as i uh buried the lead earlier in this episode um Pete and I are both G.I. Joe enthusiasts. Um, now, I'm not talking about the cartoon with the lasers that never hit anyone. Um, I'm talking the comics. Like, back, uh, Larry Hama wrote a fantastic run of comics. Now, to the end, at the end, they were a bit silly. Um, and I've looked at some of the most recent ones and gone, oh my God, what did they do to my childhood? Uh, and the, don't even get me started about those movies. But um, <clears throat> the original... Just, I have to pause for a sec, bro. Yeah. Snake Eyes is now a woman. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. After they did it to Wolverine, like, really? Yeah. And Thor? Like, come on, guys. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I, no, no comment. No, um, sorry. Yeah, I'm moving. Uh, yeah. They could have at least made Scarlet Snake the new snake. Anyway, moving on. Um, so, uh, I have, I don't know. I've been going through a master's and I've been fairly miserable at my work for a little while now. And I, I, I kind of, I've kind of gone backwards as a human being. And I think I maybe mentioned this on the last episode or the episode before I'm listening and it's driving my wife crazy. I'm listening to like the top gun soundtrack and Pat Benatar albums <laughs> and like, and like Def Leppard and ZZ Top. And it's just like, I'm going, I've like, I've reverted back to the 80s. And I'm always like, hey, how about we watch Weird Science? Or how about, you know, we watch Top Gun again? And she's like, no, no more 80s. Stop it. And I'm like, but, but I want to. And, you know, Star Wars being back doesn't help. And then um, I'm reading all these comic books that I've read as a kid that you can get online in book form. Um, and I'm just, I'm just loving it. But. Part of that is um, I was able to get in on a mate's uh, – he did a, a private commission for some G.I. Joe models um, 
that I think what you mean is not GI Joe yeah, models. Not GI Joe models. Because <laughs> Generic not licensed. US infantry and yeah. terrorist models. Yes, exactly. Um but are close enough that especially with a little bit of converting, um, are perfect for my needs. Um yep. and so I was able to get in on that for infantry and I haven't been working on those yet because I've been too busy working on my favorite freaking part, the vehicles. Um now I've been playing around with a lot of three uh so just to bring this all, I'm I'm building a bolt action slash conflict forty seven army GI Joe and Cobra army. So I'm using these models. They are they are twenty eight millimeter. They're the right size for bolt action. Um, they're sculpts of the original GI Joe team and Cobra troopers and Cobra personalities. And so there's through Shapeways and through Thingiverse there are a number of vehicles that you can 3D print. And so now I have snake battle armor and I've got vamp jeeps and I've got uh, more hiss tanks than I can shake a stick at. Um, <laughs> but then on top of that, I've now got, you know, the Mobat, the original GI Joe tank. And I've been painting um, the armored personnel carriers that were one of my favorite toys to play with as a kid. I'm painting a pair of them right now in 28 mil and I'm just or 1 to 56 um, actually I think they're more like 1 to 50 because I wanted them a little bit big and they're giant um, yeah, they're huge, they're huge. Uh, I've been painting them alongside two Russian trucks and I just keep looking at them going these are freaking ridiculous um, but I'm having a blast and I on, on the school holidays one of my big projects is I'm going to try and smash out um, enough vehicles to do the vehicles to do an armored platoon list for Conflict 47 or Bolt Action um, for this army. Now, of course, this like people who will go, if I'm going to use the giant air quotes, neck beards, are going to freak out because <laughs> you're going to look at it and be like, what sort of weird 80s crap are you putting on the table? But it's, it's great. Um, and a lot of those vehicles have their roots in World War II or um, 1960s, 1970s military hardware that was reappropriated and, uh, you know, jazzed up for the 80s um, in, the, in the comic books and the, in the toy yeah. line. Um, the stuff that came later, of course, was ridiculous. Um, but the original, like, couple, first couple of years of G.I. Joe, which is the stuff that really, you know, calls to me, those yep. vehicles, man, they're very they they completely fall into the wheelhouse in my head that fits you know like a conflict forty seven bolt action. It doesn't feel weird to me to put that down. Now I know that I was talking at one point about bringing a his tank army to Moab this year that had eight his tanks, and I was trying to find <laughs> an analog. Um, in the rules, and I definitely ruffled people's feathers. And I was like, okay, I get it. This is not something for competitive play. But by creating sort of, by making both the G.I. Joe and the Cobra armies simultaneously, um, I figure I can have some fun playing against myself. Because um, I got friends who I, I play with locally, and I, I know that a couple of them would be totally down like a clown to get a, you know, get something different on the table and still play with the same great rules. Um, and it's just, it's fun, man. But I was looking at it because the 3d printing's a little, 
iffy on some of the vehicles. I was like, hey, you know what? I'm going to go with a winter scheme. And so at the moment, I'm painting everything white. And this is what I've been posting pictures on. And I'm about to get to that sponge chipping um, of the paint. And I'm hoping that that will cover up the worst of my sins or the sins of the printing, I should say. Um, But man, it's just, it's so much fun. Um, And it just, it just totally reinvigorated every, you know, interest I had in, in bolt action. Cause I mean, let, let's be honest. It was a couple of months ago. I was I was probably ready to call it quits on everything. But man, yep. looking at this, I'm like, oh, this is so good. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, I mean, I've been drooling over your online pictures, um, and I like the snow scheme. I always thought the greatest GI Joe code name was Snow Job. Yeah, um, right. But... <laughs> so cool. <laughs> no, it looks really cool. I think that. Uh, but as you say, it's about getting a connection with what you're doing and. Um, enjoying painting it and really getting grabbed by it because you know when you're painting a large army it can sometimes feel like a bit of a chore if you're not really digging what you're doing and but oh, i'd love to paint me some cobras i just <laughs> yeah <laughs> that, that sounds like huge fun but uh, i've gone down a slightly different rabbit hole um yes i'm playing a uh doing an a uh, cars for a game called Maximilian 34, which is a... Oh, um, right, yeah, that looks great. Yeah, it's done by guys in Australia, Eureka Miniatures. Mm-hmm. Um, they had great 1930s um, jalopies um, armed with various and sundry weapons, mm-hmm. anything you can pack onto a car. Absolutely beautiful figures, figures and um, cars and... I was always a fan of The Great Race. I don't know whether you ever saw that yes. um, movie. And I always thought that movie would be better if uh, uh, there were more guns involved. So this is... Um, there you go. <laughs> perfect. But, uh, you know, you can really go to town. I've seen some absolutely um, wonderful colour schemes that, uh, you know, hark back to things like um, Penelope Pit Stop and... Mm-hmm. Um, the whole wacky races kind of theme that looks yep. really great. I'd love to do something like that and red baron cars and just some, you know, I don't know. I've got to do a, a professor fake vehicle and a Leslie mobile. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, going to be a lot of fun and I'm looking forward to whacking some of those together. Now that, now what fascinates me about that game, cause I, I'm all about Gaslands, and um, for those wondering, I still haven't played it because I've been trying to survive the end of the school year, but I have lined up a game for the very beginning of school holidays, and we'll be talking about that on a podcast soon too. But what really interests me about um, the, the Eureka game is that it's 28 millimeter. The vehicles yeah. are huge. Uh, I guess they're not huge. But it, it begs the question, what size table are you playing it on? I'm assuming a 4x6. Have you looked yeah, at Yeah, it? it's just a 4x6. Um, you know, you got to remember, this is the 1930s. Cars aren't moving quite as fast as they, they, they this are is true. in gas This lands. is true. Um, and so, it, it, you know, it works. And I think that uh, uh, it is meant to allow you to use all those 20 mil, 28 mil um, vehicles mm-hmm. that you know, are available these days. So I, I think it works, um, you know, even if you're not using the official Eureka one. So I picked up a couple off Shapeways, um, some of the interwar vehicles mm-hmm. um, look kind of cool. And it's just you know, fun to use those vehicles because I've got lots of early war vehicles for bolt mm-hmm. action. And it's fun to use some of those vehicles in a in different way, you know, racing around. 
um, trying to blast away at each other rather, uh, <laughs> rather than worry about trying to orchestrate some sort of grand tactical maneuver. Agreed. Now, have you, when you were talking Shapeways, are you looking at, uh, what's the name of his shop? Arctic Skunk? Yeah, Arctic yeah. Skunk. Because that's where I got my his tanks, my snake armor, and my vamps yeah. as well. Uh, whoever, so, Ar- Arctic Skunk, whoever you are, I'm sure you're out there somewhere, and I'm sure you're not listening to this. But if you do, if someone who is listening to this happens to hear and happens to know Arctic Skunk, the world's a small place, can you please say that I love his work and please tell him thank you? Um, because, oh my God, if you have not looked at Shapeways and looked at Arctic, that's Arctic as in Arctic Circle, Skunk, if you have not looked at that uh, Shapeways shop, there are hundreds of vehicles in it. Um, in many different scales from all sorts of genres um, and time periods. Oh, my God, it's great. Yeah, no, it's a wonderful store, and he does some really great um, interwar American stuff, really early American mm-hmm. stuff, um, which can be really early World War Two, but a lot of it's interwar, and so got a couple of those. And he does this great sort of 1930s petrol pump, which can use as a bit of terrain, so... Great awesome. stuff to grab off there, and if you need any any odd or particularly early war odd vehicles, so you know Belgians or um, some of the smaller nations, um, you know the he's Dutch generally East got Indies, yeah. Dutch East Indies, yep. He's got uh, a lot of what you need. I mean, you pay a little bit of a premium because it's Shapeways, particularly if you live in Australia. But yep. uh, um, when you got to have the, that uh, particular tank, you just got to have it. Well, they'd had a sale at one point, which is when I went a bit bonkers and ordered five sets, five sets of uh, snake battle armor, an extra two vamps, and some of my his tanks, and just was like, "Yep, I'm gonna order," and uh, a Fang helicopter, and was just like, "Yep, I will have all of that. Please ship it." <laughs> and yeah, yeah, about every three or four months, they do a. a- sale um you, the ones you want to look out for the ones with free postage if you're in australia yes. anyway because postage is a killer on shapeways for australians but, and that's um, when i got in yeah. yeah they had a great one on black friday where i got my stuff but uh yeah every couple of months they'll uh about every three or four months they'll do a, a a discount of some sort and every so often it's free postage so yeah definitely sign up for the uh, newsletter oh love it love it yeah. And again, that's just one more sign of the times. I mean, ah. um, and Thingiverse, there's a guy on Thingiverse who has created a giant collection of G.I. Joe vehicles from early G.I. Joe to late G.I. Joe um, that you can just download and print yourself if you have a printer. Yeah. Um, and I found someone who would print them for me because I don't have a 3D printer. And that's where I got mine. And they are amazing. Um, it's just such an exciting time to, God, man, I keep saying that, to play games. And um, I'm just looking at some of my old GW, like Warhammer Fantasy armies, and thinking, now, do I play Kings of War with you? Or do I try playing Age of Sigmar with you? Um, or do I sell you so I can make room for other, other games? Um, there's just so much good stuff out there at the moment that I, I'm really looking forward to Christmas time this year. I'm going to play a lot of games. Uh, I'm going to try and make the best use of my time. And then I'm going to, I think, figure out what I'm going to do with a good chunk of my collection. Um, 
but because God, there's a lot of stuff to use. So oh well, there yeah. there are worse problems to have. Oh my God, yes, and everything is God. The painting and everything's anyway wonderful. But yeah. um, Pete, anything else you wanted to uh, talk about as far as games go? Because man, we've we've kind of been all over the map tonight, but. Man, I'm really digging the chat. Yeah, no, I think we've uh, covered uh, all of the fun stuff that's going on at the moment. Um, I think 2018 is going to be a huge year. Um, still can't wait to see those cool sea boats, but um, that's going to be great. And uh, But, uh, you know, just to make things even more complicated, I'll throw out a couple of final things. Yes, Bolt please. Action, Bolt Action Korea. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> oh god and, uh, right <laughs> uh bolt action western desert next year full figure ranges and um oh, okay. the bolt action skirmish game that's lurking out there somewhere now i i now ooh, i really want that to happen because i have a half-baked set rules for a skirmish of my own but when as soon as warlord announced that that was in the works I literally put it on the shelf and basically threw it over my shoulder and said, okay, what do you got? Um, (laughs) Because especially for those of us who have either a ton of half finished projects or a ton of finished projects, a a skirmish game for bolt action would be fantastic. Just small scale missions. I mean, bolt action itself kind of scales that way as it is, but God, man, that would be so much fun to play. Um, yeah, I mean, one of my ins to World War Two gaming was the Commando comics. And so, you know, mm-hmm. being able to have a couple of guys trying to blow up a German airfield in the Western Desert or, um, you know, um, attack a, a, a nuclear f- a, a science lab or something, that all sounds like great fun. Now, uh, sorry, listeners, I am going to indulge in Pete and I one last little mention of this. So in my grubby little paws right now, I am holding a baggie with miniatures of the October Guard. Um, oh, yes. Nice. Yes. So for those who don't know, they were the, the, the quote-unquote Soviet version of the G.I. Joe team. Um, and they never, of course, fleshed them out because they didn't have figures for them. They were a comic they were a comic creation, and they came up later, years later, after G.I. Joe kind of ended, um, by collectors who, and the company made a set of models for them, but it was like, it was well after G.I. Joe was done that they did this. Yep. Um, so, yeah, and you look at, I'm looking at these little guys, and it's like, you know, that would slot in almost perfectly with my bolt-action Soviets. So, Conflict 47 Soviets using the October Guard as commanders. Um, and I have the October Guard dune buggy jeep thing as well. And I'm looking at it going, oh, add that to my Soviets. Oh, this is going to be so good. Um, so, yeah, I'm kind of boring. Um, I'm just really excited about so many different parts of where we're going but man yeah skirmish um the korean bolt action korean war um i'm hoping i don't uh, god will that be like a run of books i'm i'm kind of hoping it's its own hardback book with a book or two expansion but 
I don't know, man. That's I mean, the Korean War is an interesting conflict in and of itself. How we're going to yep. how that will come out, like will it be like a campaign book um using the bolt action rules? I mean, the hardware is not super different from World War II. Um a lot of the hardware was, you know, what was developed during World War II, but there was a lot of units that, you know, tanks that were like yeah. just never fought in World War Two, but were made for it. That appeared in the Korean War. Um, yeah, they've given away very little detail, but I suspect because, as you say, a lot of it is just actually sort of very late World War Two stuff. It'll be some sort of um, straight, you know, campaign book. Whether mm. that's a hardback or whether it's another softback, don't know. But uh, and what'll be really interesting is um, they also mentioned their at the beginning of doing one for Vietnam as well. Now that's a quite a big step. You know, you got very different equipment in Vietnam than you did in uh, massive difference. Yeah. Yeah. So that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, whether they you know, do something like clockwork goblin, the deal with clockwork goblin, where they sort of a, do their own book line or whether the, these are just going to be fully integrated into the general bolt action line. So now that would, yeah. So, for I could see the Korean stuff just tag teaming with the current winter range of Americans because the uniforms, if you look at pictures from the Korean War of American vehicles, American troops, um, it absolutely it, it, it just slides across in many cases. Um, you could, you know, of course, add some more stuff and some figures to round out the range to update it for that conflict. But you could, you almost don't need to. Like my great coat Americans in winter gear, I think work almost perfectly for that conflict. Um, but of course, you would need to have a whole new army for um, the North Koreans and the Chinese. Um, so. Yep. Uh, it wouldn't take much, but as you say, Vietnam, man, you would have to start from scratch. Um, and that yeah. was such a different conflict. I almost hope that what they do with Vietnam will be like whatever their skirmish rules are with yeah. like small scale, not a, not a huge model range. Part of me wishes that only so I don't have to go buy it and paint because if they do <sighs> Vietnam, man, I'm, I'm in. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you can take my money now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Where's that meme of Flynn from uh, Futurama? Yep. Shut up and take my money. Um, yep. God, man. I don't. I. I. Uh, I hope it's very few models, and I hope it's easy to play. Um, as in, I don't have to buy a million things, but I. I will. Um, yep. I'm. I'm a. I'm a bolt action fanboy. I will probably always be. And oh, God, man. Yeah, but I really uh, want to get into that that <laughs> that that you know claustrophobic jungle feel, and yeah. I, I feel like bolt action. You know, if you throw in some nice ambush rules and you throw in, you know, keep it small, keep it simple. I think you could probably do a lot with that. Um, but yeah, yep. yeah, no, it sounds really good. But uh, given that um, you started out by uh, convincing me to buy into Test of Honor. Um, I'll leave you with a final thought that uh, I know will gnaw away at you. Um, yeah. Go look at uh, uh, Pulp Figures. They've got a new range coming out called Black Sun, which is um, Weird World, Weird War Vietnam. What? <laughs> yeah, 
What? I knew they were doing Vietnam models. I didn't know they were yeah. doing Weird War Vietnam models. Yeah, Weird War Vietnam. Oh, man. Why did you have to tell me that? <laughs> Returning the favor, Brad. Oh, you're a jerk. Oh, yeah. my wife does not thank you. Oh, uh, yeah, no, that's good. So say that again so I can go look it up now. Uh, pulp figures. Yeah. Um, uh, I think the range is called Black Sun. Um, oh, they at the moment what they've got uh, out already is just sort of standard US and Viet Cong and Viet Minh. Yeah. But um, they've shown some. If you look at their, I think it's their Facebook page. They've got mm-hmm. a couple of postings of some of the weird monsters that are that are going to be coming soon. Oh God. Okay, I'm going on there tonight when I'm done with <laughs> when we're done with this. <laughs> oh. Now I uh, I think I think that'll call us a night. Um, yep. Now before we go though, I I did have a few people ask. Um, I did disappear. Um, <laughs> we we put out the first four episodes of this podcast, and then I kind of fell off the face of a planet for a couple weeks. Um, I have been struggling through the end of a school year. I've been applying for new jobs and writing school reports. And if you're a primary school teacher, the end of the year is always the worst. Um, so I have one more week of school and then we are into the school holidays and there will be quite a few games played and, uh, quite a few podcasts to record. So, uh, look forward to regular updates on this, uh, very shortly. Um, also I did have someone ask whatever happened to story time with old man Morin. I did, um, I did tease that I would be talking about the dark Phoenix saga, uh, a few people said uh, they were keen for that, and then it didn't happen. Um, the reason for that is, of course, uh, my guest, who I was going to have on, a uh, friend of the cast, old buddy of mine, Christian Blatt. Um, well, he and his wife had their second do- or had their second child, a daughter, uh, and so uh, she came a little earlier than planned, and so um, we've re we've rescheduled several times now. Um, but we are at the whim of, um, their schedule at the moment. And, but I do hope that that happens, uh, sometime before Christmas. Uh, and I did have a few people ask, am I really going to talk about the Stephen King book? It, um, I think I am. Uh, I have a guest lined up. I just need to actually go and re read it myself. Um, so <laughs> lots of interesting comment, uh, content coming your way soon. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you are interested in leaving feedback for this podcast, um, as I am now actually putting these out myself, I'm not under the WWPD podcast umbrella anymore. Um, this is literally, I'm paying for this. I'm doing it all myself. Um, Look, if you would like to go on iTunes and leave a five-star review, it would help other people find it because of the way the search engine works in that device. Um, Look, I'd appreciate it if you like it. If you don't, um, please send me a message and tell me what you didn't like, and I'll try and fix it, and then you can leave a five-star review. Um, If you would like to leave us any feedback, positive or negative, um, you can find um, the Cast Dice um, on Facebook, um, if you just type cast dice podcast in, you will find the land o misfit toys, which is my, uh, personal hobby blog and how, uh, and where I post progress about this podcast. Uh, I would like to thank Pete West. Thank you very much, Pete, for coming on. It is always a pleasure. My good man. Absolutely. 
And uh, Pete, I'm hoping over the school holidays uh, you have a good chance to come to Victoria or you come down soon because there are too many games we need to play, my man. Yeah, most definitely. I can't wait to play some of those uh, G.I. Joe and Cobra forces that you're building. Oh, God. Uh, yes, they may not be fully painted by the time you get here, depending when you come, but oh my God, they will be assembled. Um, and I would also like to thank you, the listener. Um, I know we're sort of jumping around on content as the show finds its sea legs, uh, but we always do appreciate, and by we, I mean me, I appreciate your time and your patience um, and uh, the fact that you've chosen to listen to this particular podcast. Um, and I would also like to say one last thank you um, we do have a new theme song, uh, Paraguayan Sun by Bim Scala Bim is our new theme song. Um, Bim Scala Bim is one of the bands I think I've seen play live more than almost any other. Um, they're a, a Boston based ska band who have been around since the beginning of time. Um, at least in my personal life. Um, and I've seen them a million times and I'm just glad they reformed recently after a hiatus. And it's good to see them back on the road and just doing what they do. They're amazingly talented musicians, and I'm incredibly humbled that they let me use one of my favorite songs that they do. So um, thank you, guys. And uh, there will be plenty of episodes uh, between now and Christmas. So you can uh, take that to the bank. And I look forward to talking with you soon. Good night, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for listening to Cast Dice. And then track my